TCL is a proud CEO's. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Stories of that game and what happened in the clubhouse is just fantastic. There's no game that can bleep you like this one. <laughs> it's Roycey on baseball. Let's go here. Racing on baseball for this week. Uh, Tom Kelly and Tim Kirkchen coming up. But we got Reavers in here, my old partner from uh, the Ride with Racy, And also Mr. Town Ball Classic. The Town Ball Classic will make its sixth, sixth yep. appearance uh, again at Target Field. Uh, when, who, how. Uh, let's uh, what set it up for us. Saturday, June twenty second. Saturday, June twenty second. So clear your calendar. Don't be scheduling any out of town trips or anything, Patrick. Uh-huh. Saturday, June twenty second. We're going to kick things off at ten o'clock in the morning, since we don't have that pesky Saturday morning sports talk that's, show to deal with anymore. Interfering, <laughs> yes. So ten a.m. is going to kick things off. The first game, the uh, defending Class C state champions, the Plato Blue Jays, yes, who knocked out my Faribault Lakers team. I'm not holding that against them. They'll mm-hmm. be playing in it against their arch rival, the Young America Cardinals. A really good matchup out of the uh, Cedar Valley, Cedar River Valley League, and then the second game will be the Forest Lake Brewers against the New Market Muskies, a team that's out of my league in the DRS. And then as Forest we Forest Lake uh, have a decent tradition. Yeah, they've I think it's three of the last five state tournaments they've uh they've participated in. I believe they won a won a game and then lost two because in the class B yeah, you win your first game that yeah. goes to double yeah, LM. Right. So Forest Lake's got a really good a really good squad. A New Market's a perennial team. And then as we did last year the third game will be a the, the class A game will be an all star game and I'm I'm looking forward to that again because that was a that turned out to be a really really fun game last year in class it, A. Uh, and how do they set it up? Minneapolis versus St. Paul. Yeah, basically. so uh, I defer to kind of the the class A delegates because I I don't know a whole lot about class A ball other than you know that uh, that they've got a lot of talent. So it's basically going to be a Minneapolis versus kind of a St. Paul matchup. There's a couple of different leagues and then they they pick the rosters and then they found a way. One of the teams got 30 guys in one game last year. Oh, yeah, I it was remember that. unbelievable. So I'm looking forward to it again. So, uh, and all on the radio? or how's Yeah, we're going to do we're gonna do all the games on 1500. Um, start, like I said, starting at 10 a.m. And the second game will be around 1231, just depending upon how that finishes. And then the third game should start around between 3 and 330. We, we th- or 330 and 4, excuse me. Is that, uh, now, uh, June uh, 22nd, uh, Saturday, yep. is that a... Uh, uh, are we are we fighting with the Dundas Invitational and other tournaments? Is that I a checked. big tournament week? I checked every damn baseball <laughs> site out there to make sure I wasn't interfering with the tournament. I do think, though, that there's one. There's few, two, I think the two, Green two, Isle Tournament is that weekend. Um, but I keep telling these guys, stop planning your tournaments when the Twins are out of town. Because yeah. that's basically what it boils down to, is just the, the, the availability of open dates when the Twins are uh, on the road. But it, it, the the first year we, we did got it, rained out one year, right? The second year we did get rained out, so we actually did two in the third summer. And the first year that we did it, it was the weekend before the Fourth of July. I think it was June twenty fifth, and which is a perfect time of the year to have the event, which is about what this will be at June twenty second. Because usually teams got a few games under their belt. Fans are still really into it. You know, you're not getting to that end of the season malaise that that some that kind of takes over with some teams. But it's a perfect time of the year, and hopefully the weather holds up because that uh, that obviously plays a big part in this. I have been campaigning with the Twins and the uh, Baseball Writers Association 
a, a local chapter for the Diamond Awards to have a Town Ball Player of the Year. Oh, that'd be great. Amateur Player of the Year. Uh, we we couldn't quite do it uh, last year because it was short notice. But this would be because the Hall of Fame that there is for the Minnesota State Baseball Hall of Fame, a great thing, but it honors mostly organizers, mm-hmm. yep. people who be people who have kept town ball alive or growing in their towns. Uh, once in a while, we get a player in like the great Driscoll, but not too often. But this would be a currently active player yep. who's, uh, you know, just kind of the player of the year. It's not uh, – the trouble is – uh, they've told me that if they do that, I'm going to have to come back from Florida and present <laughs> it. So uh, they would want me to be involved in the thing. And I'm that's not, not, I'm not trying to make myself into the big town ball sure, thing, but sure. I I think it would be a nice little event to remind at that big event to remind people of how unique uh, town ball is I in the state of Minnesota. More. We yep. have, you know, we're the we have more town ball baseball teams in California. Mm-hmm. We got more than any other state in the union. So and you know who I, would be the recipient of the Patrick Royce Diamond Award Town Ball Player of the Year for 2019 would be, and you would base it on last year's kind of success. Well, kind of guy yeah. who's had an impact the last your five, guy six years. Tyler Gendro from Sobieski would be a favorite. That's two, sure. Jonathan, two. Two complete games he pitched in one day in the what? state amateur yeah, baseball tournament. Back no, 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 Pat. Right. Last, last summer, year, last year, Labor Day where weekend, they make it to. Last they year, got yeah. beat by Plato in the in championship game. Day. And by the way, so he throws two complete games that Sunday to get them to the championship yes. game. Sunday they're playing Plato. He came in in relief in <laughs> that game. Plus, the he's day coming after. back from a bad car accident. Car accident right? Yeah, he had a bad. Car I think he accident. messed up his elbow. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, there, and there's. A hundred of these guys oh. out there around uh, that, and you, you you certainly couldn't honor them all, but uh, it would be. I think it's something that because the twins, the twins are big, you know, have supported this town ball oh, classic. They wanted St. Peter wants that to be part of their identity, yep. and that uh, would be a you know would be a good deal. But uh, June uh, June twenty second. Town ball, you get in for what? Ten bucks. Ten bucks, and your ticket, by the way, because I get asked this often. Your one ticket for ten bucks, you're good the whole day. All, all three games. Yeah. So you spend 10 bucks. All the money goes towards the Twins Community Fund. And the matchups this year are going to be really, really good matchups. And the matchups All-Star game drew a pretty good crowd. Didn't yeah. They? I mean, they got pretty good attention. There's, and, there's, these guys kind of get, you know, town ball in general. We don't know the personalities much. We just go to the games and have a good time on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. But, uh, these, uh, the, these Minneapolis and St. Paul guys have played in anonymity, but there's some studs out oh. there, man. There's some great players. Well, I would, so Manny Hill and I were standing behind home plate where the broadcast tent was set up last year watching these Class A guys, one after another after another, and I'm thinking, how do you hit this? <laughs> yeah. These guys are all coming and throwing 90. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, some really good arms out of, out of Class A for sure. All right, well, uh, sports soundball classic. Uh, show up at uh, Target Field uh, June 22nd. Twinsbaseball.com to get your tickets, by the way. Everything okay, is through the Twins website. Yep. Okay, and uh, we'll be back with Tom Kelly and Tim Kirchin. It's the TK doubleheader on Racy on Baseball. Tom Kelly is with us. So, uh, terrible spring weather our twins have been uh, running into no matter, uh, where they go. What's your worst, what's your worst spring you can remember? Was it uh, in, uh, in Minnesota or other places, uh, when you were in the minor leagues? Whew. I think, uh, the 
biggest problem, of course, with the Metrodome. Yeah, you didn't have that. You played oh. at least half of them you played. Yeah, correct. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Uh, the, the worst the worst uh, trips I've been on, I think if you look at it going back and forth, I think in, was it 88? 1988 when we had to, we left uh, uh, Orlando, correct? Yes. And we went to West Coast uh, for three games, then came back to Minnesota for three, then went back to the (laughs) West Coast, then we came back for, I don't know, maybe a week in Minnesota, then we went to New York, East Coast. So we, we changed time zones, oh, I can't remember how many times, uh, in the first uh, two and a half, three weeks of the season, we had gone back and forth across the country, you know, like twice, and uh, uh, we got off to a bad start. I remember Andy McPhail being very upset with <laughs> the, the players and the manager, uh, coaches. He was upset with everybody. And uh, I try to explain to him we've been flying all across the country, and why couldn't we just stay on the West Coast and start the mm-hmm. season and and play six games or whatever, you know, do the whole bit on the on the West Coast? But they, you know, they had to have their home opener, get the home opener in. So we went three days. You know, you go from Fort Myers to Anaheim or whatever the hell it was, and then we went back to. Minnesota, then back to the West Coast. That was, you know, that was a little silly. But, yeah. you know, weather-wise, I don't remember. Uh, I remember wearing that heavy coat, but not, <laughs> not, not like they, they've they gone through now. This has been a little rough. There are times when you're in the manager, you're sitting in the dugout, it's uh, starting to rain hard, and they're, and you're behind... Right. And you know if they ever stop it, you're done. Aren't you? I mean, that's what the Twins were going through yesterday. They yeah, knew they weren't going to get before. And then you look at it sometimes, Pat, when those games are, are you know, you're losing nine to one, and 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 you've used four pitchers already, and you're, yeah. you don't want to have to warm up another one because that's what it's going to come down to, warming up a, uh, another pitcher. So, uh, you know, abusing the staff that way is not good. So. Uh, you know, it might be, uh, you know, who knows what would have happened. You might have scored five runs. Who knows? But you also might have gave up five in the in the eighth. So, who knows? you know, you don't know. But uh, uh, not getting anybody hurt was always uh, the big concern. Yeah, right. And, Especially. So, and not having to warm up another pitcher, that, that's probably uh, the most important thing. Slumps are interesting animals for uh, good hitters. I remember uh, being a first-generation Twins fan, Bob Allison always introduced us to slumps because for two or three weeks you'd say, get this guy out of here, he's terrible. And then for two weeks he'd drive in 17 runs and carry the team. Mm. But those are sluggers. But when you see a hitter like Rosario, uh, when you had a, a good hitter going through a slump, what – I suppose extra BP isn't the answer. You just got to wait for him to get out of it. There's a lot of that wait till you get out of it. So not not including just guys in slumps. You could be playing bad, and and as a group, 
you might be hitting the ball fairly de- decent, and you look up on the seventh inning and you got three hits, and you go, what the hell? We're hitting the ball better than this. And uh, you sort of have to just wait for it to stop. You know, I've done handstands, eating, <laughs> you know, Bible, holy water. We've done, we've done just about everything uh, that you possibly, voodoo. We, we've done everything. And, and, uh, I figured out after a number of years that you just have to sit there and wait for somebody to hit a blooper that hits the line and kicks and stays fair, and you get a double, and somebody hits one good, and then, you you know, it, it goes from there. So uh, you just have to ride it out. Now, Eddie, Eddie's case, he, he's hitting the ball fairly decent. I don't think he's, uh, you know, in distress up there, uh, you know, where he's, missing and missing and not being close he's hit some balls fairly decent and he did get a hit yesterday so uh i'm sure he's a free swinger and he'll come out of it yeah he's out of the zone he might uh, when he's not hitting he might get a little more out of the zone one i guess one reason he's gotten to be a better hitter in the last couple of years is he's not quite as wild a swinger as when he was a kid right that's for sure he's got a boy Talk about a free spirit on the and running the bases. <laughs> oh my God! I watched him play numerous games in the minors and whew, you know, t- tie a rope to him. That's what you had to do. And and uh, I think he played under the rules when he was a kid growing up that you're not out until they tag you. And, uh, so he would just keep running, you know. And 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 uh, I've seen him do it numerous times, but he's cleaned that up pretty well. And, uh, you know, it's not as crazy as he used to be. So his whole game's getting better, and, and uh, I think he'll be fine. I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't. He's one guy I don't think I'd worry about. Well, for us old-time Twins fans, he reminds us a little of Disco Danny when he's getting real giddy on the bases. Cause, uh... He, uh, yeah, Danny could do some things. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this the Twins are winning. They're doing well. And... And you can have a guy like Rosario, that's not who is a big part of the lineup, and obviously hasn't done too much the last uh, uh, ten days, give or take. But he, you know, the team's still winning, so that bodes well for uh, the ball club. I think you know you can have a guy or two that's not doing too much, and you still manage to win games, and and that's what's important. Uh, when uh, Buxton was uh, really struggling the last couple of years, uh, he had some good streaks and, and mostly bad streaks. He'd always hook that ball uh, into the left field stands when he when he was hitting it, uh, you know, down a left field line right. foul by fifty feet. Right. He's uh, doing something to hit that ball into the corner now. He's keeping it fair. Well, maybe he slowed down enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they're doing with him i'm not privy to those things but uh or what he's doing and and uh but he he does look better at the plate there's no question uh he still looks like he can still maybe chase that breaking ball that's down in a way i saw that a couple times this past week and and uh you know i i think he's gonna evolve uh as we go and the more experience he gets uh uh, I'm not quite sure how many total at-bats he does have now at the major leagues, uh, in the major leagues, but uh, I think once, I don't think he's got a thousand, does he? He can't have a thousand yet. I'd have to look. I don't think so. But 
But uh, I got my book right here, but I, I you know, that print's too small. <laughs> but uh, I, I need to maybe look at that. But uh, he, uh, I think he's going to evolve, and if he could ever direct those, uh, you know, his hits uh, when he hits the ball the right center, left center, uh, you know, can imagine the triples that are going on the board. So. Uh, I think he's going to be fine uh, on characteristic. He had that error the other night. I don't know. He must have lost that ball or something. Uh, I thought he was going to catch it easy, and I turned my head, he's, I, uh, and then I see him chasing it. And I said, oh, my God. Yeah, I saw his quotes after the game. It was like he's going to go in and study video. He had no idea what happened to himself. No, he was no, going to no. try to figure out what yeah, went on. All are. That was unbelievable that that happened. He's that kind of player where something does happen. You go, what the hell? Well, the other day I was uh, talking to somebody on the, and for about eight minutes, and in those eight minutes, he made two hellacious catches. Oh, you know, one yeah, get one into one into right center and one into left center. It's almost commonplace, and when he doesn't catch it, you you go, "What the hell happened?" You know, <laughs> he's, he's some kind of he can really close on a baseball. It's it's just unbelievable. And the uh, the idea of uh, having the uh, you know the, the whole leadoff hitter thing has changed, of course. But uh, did you uh, it, did you ever transform sort of to having a a, a pretty good hitter at the hit ninth and the idea of turning over the lineup well, when the DH came in? I, I don't know if we were really ever that deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could yeah you had that luxury. Uh, uh, I understand the concept. And, uh, you know, having somebody that can run uh, was went into my mind a little bit more than uh, what kind of maybe hitter he was. But if somebody, you know, could run, hit, hit ninth, and then the leadoff guy comes up, and it helped not clog the bases. You know, if you had somebody that couldn't run much, hit a ninth, it sort of slowed things down. And and when the leadoff man comes up, you sort of want to, you know to get moving here. Let's get moving till you get to maybe the Herbex in the middle, where things could possibly slow down a little bit. But uh, uh, you know, having some speed there, I always thought was important as well. But uh, that's transformed now to you know Mitch Garver leading off yes, right. the game, and and uh, uh, you know they have different thoughts about the lineup and how it should be constructed now so uh, again uh, if you're winning and and uh, things things are going well uh, then 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 let's go with it so uh, and that's what the twins are doing and and uh, so right now I don't know if it matters too much who leads off they are they're pretty talented right through the, the lineup uh, and if you remember back uh, Pat uh, Manny might not. He, he but I, I hit Rich Becker lead off for for almost two years, and I, 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 I do remember that TK. Out, you know, almost four hundred times. That's not good. <laughs> that, that, you know, uh, but they kept, and you know, well, nobody forced me to put him there. But you know, they we had to sort of stay with him if you understand my drift. Well, uh, what happened to him? Because I thought he, he looked like he might have had a chance to be a pretty good hitter, and then he wouldn't fire. He wouldn't swing. Yeah, and he stood. You ever, if you remember back, his he would stand in the batter's box, you know, really far away from the plate. And then I looked one day. I just decided to look to see how many times he was hit by pitch. 
and it was like one and zero, you know, each yep. year. So when you see zero, one, two, uh, that's not a lot, okay? And for a leadoff guy, you know, you want somebody to, you know, get on whatever way you can. And uh, I don't want to say people are afraid of the ball when they don't get hit much. And uh, I think that that fellow was might have been a tad afraid of the baseball. So um, took me a while to figure that out. <laughs> hey, uh, hit me sooner. I. Uh... Hope that uh, you weren't watching uh, Kyle Hendricks the other day because you would have been weeping with joy for about 10 minutes watching that game. Nine innings, 80 pitches. Did you see that? I, I read the box score. Yes. <laughs> I didn't see him pitch, but I read it, and I said, oh, my God, this must be a misprint. <laughs> my goodness gracious. I, I saw a graphic on TV or yes. the, the line, whatever it was, and then I read the paper about it the following day, but... He, my goodness gracious, and 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 uh, uh, he should have been given the key to the city. <laughs> my goodness, that's wonderful. Good for him. Now the, that was against the Cardinals. Was yes, that Cardinals. Yes, I believe. Yeah, and they they swing. You know, they go. I watched them last night for a while, and boy, they swing. They go up there swinging, and and I I guess maybe the game's uh, heading that way again, where guys are going up and just go ahead and get after it, and. Uh, uh, but watching the Cardinals last night, they were swinging the bats. Was, I, I I thought it was a fun game to watch. I thought it really was. I watched about the last three innings of Hendricks, and that guy could throw a ball at a teacup at about three different speeds, but none of them are fast. You know, no, It's but, about you know, 90 at max. Whatever works. Get <laughs> them out. Sit there. Stay out of the way. You know, Don't try to go on the field. Stay where you are and just let the man do his thing. He was, uh, that's uh, terrific. Good for him. Uh, and uh, my, I was, my whole theory on long baseball games, uh, now, I mean, there's several changes. Obviously, every game's on TV, so that takes a little longer. But the idea that every, the pitchers approach every at bat as, you know, it's a, it's a major confrontation. Right. And, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about all the breaking balls instead of fastballs. Uh, it's you know it's it's the pitchers way more than the hitters. I think that have slowed down the game. Well, I got three people that slow it down. It's the pitcher. Uh, they even commented yesterday about uh, when Pineda gets uh, people on base, and I think you commented on this this spring where things uh, slow down. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, the hitter doesn't help much either. He steps out and does the glove routine, you get them both, and, and then you have the man in blue back there. Uh, some close pitches are called balls and they, where they could be called strikes, and, of course, that's a whole other different story. So there's a lot of things involved, but uh, even uh, Gibson the other day, I thought, in the beginning of the game, he just kept throwing that breaking ball, breaking ball, slider, yeah. slide. I was going, what the hell's going on, Gibby? Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you watch the, the fellow that pitched for the Yankees, had, and he did come out of the game. Uh, Jim Cott pointed out that he maybe he's hurt a little bit. Uh, uh, the guy from Seattle who gets hurt all the time every year, uh, 
that pitch for the Yankees, uh, the left-hander. Hap? Uh, Hap? No, the no. guy before Hap. Uh, who, who pitched? Uh, oh, oh, Paxton. Paxton. Three Paxton. innings. Paxton, yeah. Paxton, yeah. He gets He's got good stuff, man. <laughs> and, and he didn't throw it over. You yeah. Know? So it's, uh, but he come up with a knee thing. So uh, maybe that was the reason. So, uh, you know, that, there's a lot of reasons the game gets slowed down. and, and uh, But the pitcher probably is uh, the main culprit, yes. I would uh, take that uh, kid that pitched for the Yankees Sunday. Whew. Well, he looks like he's got some ability and makes the ball do some different things. <laughs> uh, the only thing that, and, and he's a young guy, and he was getting uh, one out, two outs, somewhat very quickly, and then you had the the what I used to call the minor league walk, where they get comfortable and say, "All right, I got two outs," and then here comes ball four, you know, so and put a man on base. So I always called that the minor league walk, <laughs> and. Uh, then there'd be a, maybe a hit. Now you got two men on, and really shouldn't be anybody. You should be in the dugout. You know? But he certainly has uh, can make that ball do a lot of different things, and, and uh, he was fun to watch pitch until he got two outs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you get uh, they he, got. He, he looks like he's got talent. You got Severino on the DL for the half the year, but uh, you get those two guys back to back, and then Tanaka. There, that that team. They say if they get healthy, man alive, that's going to be something. Yeah, you know, you watch, the, you look at the Yankee lineup, and I, you know, you never did this before, and you had to go, who are these guys? You know, there was guys I I, I didn't know who they were, and and uh, uh, you know, you knew uh, the the center fielder. And you knew Void a little bit yeah. at first, and the catcher Anduhar came back, and Anduhar come back on uh, <laughs> Saturday, and he, you know he's going to need a couple games before he gets going again. So uh, there wasn't very many people that you knew when the Yankees is very uncharacteristic to see that uh, amount of players under the Yankees. But then they put that graphic up with uh, their injuries. Oh my God, that's got to be that's that's tough. So. You got to give them credit for uh, staying close right now, and, and uh, uh, you know, talk about a team being ready to pounce maybe the second half of the season when they get their players back. That might be a little tough duty playing the, the Yankees. Ah, uh, Pineda, man, that pitch he threw to that kid. Oh, <laughs> that, was, that was the worst. That was the worst to drive you know, me. And I, thought if I was, was a manager. I would have had a heart attack seeing that pitch, man. I thought he was dead meat, and I almost got up to go get something to drink, and I said, he, can, he ain't going to get that. And there it was. He fouled off, uh, what, he fouled off three, four, five pitches, yeah. and then he got one in the center of the plate. And, <laughs> and that's what happens now, people. You know, you leave one in the center, and, and uh, uh, there's a lot of guys that can hit it. And I, I see that young man has four or five, six home runs. Yeah, no other hits, but he's, he's got, got a few power. home runs. Yeah. I thought he was dead meat. I said, there's no way. And uh, boom, there it goes. <laughs> yeah, boom. Well, it's uh, but as you said, uh, they when the, when the Twins get the right, uh, you know, that sort of, I'm not saying subpar pitcher, but mediocre pitcher out there, they can pound mediocre pitching, I'll tell yeah, you. Years ago when, then, uh, when Maurer and Morneau, and that group, Hunter, uh, Jock, and and if if you put out somebody mediocre out there or a, not a front line mm-hmm. guy, they especially if you were right-handed, 
you you pretty much got beat up. I mean, it, they would just destroy them. And the, this lineup represents a little bit of that. And, you know, and I think there's probably a lot of teams in that category. If the pitching is just mediocre, they're going to put up uh, some crooked numbers on you. But uh, then you see uh, that uh, that Gar- it was Garrett Cole, that boy, he can make the ball. It looks like it jumps out of his hand. That yeah. Cole and you get Verlander. Now that's a different story. <laughs> but when you get down to the, you know, maybe maybe the third or fourth or fifth guy, you better have some tricks up your sleeve, or you're going to get beat up. One last question, Tom. How much uh, through the years, because they're out on the West Coast, how much have you gotten to watch Trout, and uh, what's your uh, well, he, what's you your know, report? He's the kind of guy that uh, you wish you could see play on a regular basis, but like you pointed out, you know, you get to see a game here or there. But uh, and it's it's really hard to sink your teeth. But you know, he if he's not. Uh, I don't want to say he gets hurt a lot, but he he does get banged up here and there. But uh, I think because he plays so hard, and uh, uh, I was just thinking that when in the uh, I know he, the Angels re-signed him and and, and uh, gave him a, uh, a super deal, and uh, but I was thinking, boy, if he goes to the, the East Coast to the Phillies. They'll have that, uh, you know, the the other guy and, and, and Trout playing in the owl. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> but uh, the uh, but uh, I'm glad the Angels re-signed him. He was a he's one of those mainstay guys. That's one of the most talented guys that play, and and uh, uh, he plays both ends of the game. He plays offense. He can run. He doesn't run at steel bases as much as he used to, but he does run on occasion. And uh, he plays center field terrifically, jumps over the wall, can catch the ball. He gives you the whole package. So uh, he's one of those guys you really have to respect. Okay, this is one last question. Have you reached an official decision on the DQ in the Derby? Well, I see the owner's going to probably sue or appeal. I <laughs> yes. read that this morning. Yes. He's going to appeal a decision. But I, 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 uh, I had this conversation with you. But... Uh, I, I think the horse probably should have been disqualified, uh, especially when the one horse there that uh, ended up with his legs almost in between the, the horses. Others, oh my God! That yeah, that could have been that horrible. Horse. So that had been really awful, and it did affect a couple horses behind. Whether they were still in the mix at the time, I'm not sure, but uh, he did definitely interfere, and and uh, it was a shame, but. Uh, uh, because I do believe he was the best horse, and you had the ticket. Well, I once I told you once the twenty country house was in it, <laughs> I was done. Okay, but, uh, uh, but I had the rest of it surrounded like many many others. So uh, I don't want to get to that conversation because <laughs> everybody's heard him. Nobody wants to listen to it. Okay, so, thank you know, bah bah bah. Thank Go you, on. sir. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right, have a good one. All right, the great Tom Kelly. Uh, next uh, next week, Buster Oldie. A little later today, Tim Kirkjian. Best baseball talk in town. We'll be back. Tim Kirkjian is with us from ESPN and ESPN.com. I was just talking to Tom Kelly about this. I watched Kyle Hendricks pitch the other day. It made me weep for joy, Tim. Weep for joy. 80 pitches, 9 innings. Pat, and he threw a shutout. Yes. As you know, we call that a 
Maddox, <laughs> and you pitch a shutout in under 100 pitches. It never happens today, and to see somebody do it just brings tears to the eyes. It really does. Hendricks, we were told from the beginning, he's got a lot of Greg Maddox in him, and even though they'll never, ever be another Greg Maddox again, that's how great he was, this guy has such a great idea about pitching and all young kids remember, he doesn't throw very hard at all. But if you understand what you're doing, and you can throw a changeup the way that he can, and you can spot your fastball, you can really do some things. I asked him once about his changeup, which kind of goes a different direction than everyone else's. I said, how do you explain that? And he said it's a delayed uh, pronation. That's how he called it. That's how he explained it. Delayed pronation. <laughs> What's that mean, what does sir? What that mean? I don't even know what that means. He went to Dartmouth. He explained it, and I still don't know what it means. Must mean you release it at a different point or something yes. uh, in your yes. delivery? Awesome. I, I would yes. guess. I don't know. But, right. man, I, I, remember, I remember years ago talking to Kevin Slowey's. Now, it didn't work out for Kevin Slowey, but his uh, college coach, I believe Winthrop, and uh, he, you know, had pitched a couple of great games in uh, in the NCAA tournament. And I said, what's the deal with him? He doesn't throw that hard. He says he can throw the ball in a teacup. And that's Kyle Hendricks. He can throw the ball in a teacup at five different speeds. Right. And Kevin Flory was a straight-A student in high school. I remember this, probably in college. And now he works for the Players Association. So he's just another guy even though it didn't work out all that well, who probably got by because he has an understanding what to do, and he could throw it at his best in a teacup also. He just couldn't do it all the time, and he didn't do it for very long. But that's part of this, Pat. We try to overpower everyone, and some days, if you finesse them, they're not going to be able to deal with it. Yeah, boy, there's never a hitter who starts when he wants to against Hendricks when you watch him when he's on. There's nobody ever, ooh, right on time. You know, that's amazing. Right. And, Pat, the bigger lesson here is that when you look at the numbers, as you know, pitchers' velocity is basically higher than it's ever been, and they're throwing fewer fastballs now because the hitters have seen such high velocity now for so long that pitchers are saying, well, he could hit that. He could hit 98. So I'm going to spin it. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to throw something off speed and get him off balance. Just another reminder, there are no more fastball counts anymore, and there aren't guys just pumping heaters all day like Kurt Schilling used to do. Those days are over. They're spinning it, and if you spin it like Hendricks can, you can win at 81 pitches. That is one reason that uh, we have uh, such long ball games and high counts, though. I, I, I would never be convinced that it's not easier to throw a fastball for a strike than a breaking ball, but they won't let them throw fastballs anymore because they're afraid they're going to get hit. So, uh, you know, they're getting what they're doing. Right. They're trying to avoid the barrel at all yes. costs, these pitchers are. And by doing that, they're saying, all right. Maybe I can miss the barrel if I throw a changeup here or a slider here in a fastball count. And, of course, the hitters are waiting for the right pitch. They're waiting for that belt-high fastball, and they're not getting it, which is why we have so many walks, why we have so many strikeouts, and why the games take so long.
I remember way back in 1975, the Twins had a pitcher named Jim Hughes, the bluegill, we called him, because he was a small fish in a small pond instead of catfish, you know. And he had a fantastic year. He was the pitcher of the month in May because he had a palm ball, and nobody had ever seen it. And uh, I think he ended up winning 16 games that year. Great guy, ended up working for Rawlings. But the next year, Mox managed it, and he calls me into the office one day, and he says, what's wrong with this guy? How do you win 16 games? And Because uh, he wasn't throwing strikes, and Mox said he's afraid of the bat. He's afraid of the bat, and that's why he's 3-2 and two on everybody, and a lot of guys are afraid of the bat right now. Right, and I hear it wherever I go, Pat, and it's not guys who are throwing 85 who are afraid of the bat. It's 95 who's afraid of the bat. They all are because they know, and I had a long talk with Max Scherzer about this the other day. You miss location, even with stuff like his. Yes. You miss by three inches, and it's not a line drive to left field. It goes 25 rows up, and that's why so many pitchers are so cautious these days because the hitters are bigger and stronger than ever. You make a mistake with them, and we're going to hit 1,100 homers before we get to May. Tim, uh, football has taken over the consciousness of America for about 20 years here, and the combination with social media and the fact that 16 games are played and they're all vitally important has really, to be changed the mentality of the non-hardcore baseball fan. You know, the, the, the baseball fan who's interested but not devoted to – panic at every baseball game as is as if it's a football game when there are 10 baseball games played for every football game so i'm sure that uh uh we we had incredible panic with cubs fans and red sox fans that might have been premature here yeah we just had our baseball meeting for the monday night game tonight between the phillies and the cardinals which i'm doing from the booth and that was like the first discussion all those t- people that worried when the cubs were two and seven yes. that they think and they're never coming out of this <laughs> not game my god we were in the second quarter of the first nfl game <laughs> by comparison and yet look what the cubs have done with their team since and they just wiped out the cardinals over the weekend and i saw the cubs when they were terrible and they were terrible but just a reminder you can you can quickly change things. Same with the Red Sox. They were awful early, and now they're starting to swing the bats again, and things are changing. So, you know, don't don't panic at least until they're 40 games in. <laughs> I would panic at least 80 games in with a lot of these teams. Mookie. Uh, Mookie was going to go in the tank because he was worried about his contract, and he never should have turned down the money. And, boy, that was preying on his mind until he got three hits in one game, and now they can't get him out. So, Right. Again, <laughs> he's, he's going to get paid no matter what. He doesn't worry about a thing. He knows how good he is. Uh, so the uh, Fighting Twinks go into uh, the the Twins, by the way, Tim. Worst weather spring I have ever seen because no matter where they go, uh, you know, the other day, Saturday, we had a gorgeous day here, 72 degrees. The Twins were in New York getting rained on all weekend. It's uh, They have been, I think there's been five 70-degree days since the season started, and they haven't been home for any of them. Uh, it's it's just one of those springs where, man, alive, there's a lot of teams getting beat up by rain. Yeah, it's terrible, Pat, and we've talked about this before. 
you can play football in the rain and the snow yeah. and the cold, but you try to play a skill sport like baseball where you know the, the feel of your hand is yes. so important to whatever you're doing and you take that away or you can't get a grip on a baseball and you can't throw your slider without that grip, it, it affects the game, there's no doubt. And I know all these players can't wait to get into some warmer <laughs> weather to play because it is brutal when you try to play this sport in the cold and or the rain. Tim Kirchner's with us. Uh, okay, uh, this Yankee kid that the Twins faced on Sunday, oofta. Da is a Herman. Wow, yeah. is that good yeah. stuff? Uh, Where they 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 went over the legal limit to sign him for uh, as a, uh, a international player. I take it. Right. So Pat, you need to go back and look at the tape if you didn't notice it. He's got the longest arms you've ever seen really? on a pitcher. Really, and this is what they tell me, and they told me this two years ago. Look how long his arms are. So that extra whip action he might get, especially when he swings it from the side, that's a tough pitch to pick up because his arms are so long, plus he has unbelievably big hands. So just the way that Koufax and Pedro Martinez could manipulate the ball with those incredibly long fingers, that's what Herman has. Now, obviously, he's not Pedro or Koufax, but he's got great stuff. Oh, man. And he's got a couple of weapons there just from his unnatural build that makes him even more difficult to pick up because he's deceptive with long fingers and really long arms. You know what's amazing about baseball, though? You can have a talented kid like that, or the Twins got this guy in double-A now, Bruce Dar Gratterall, who throws 98 and has got other pitches. But even those guys, you can't run right up to the big leagues when they're 19 or 20 years old. It's it's incredible how there's about five guys in the history of baseball who broke in at 19 or 20 as pitchers and, and got the job done. It's, it's, it's amazing right. to me how long it takes. It just speaks again to the degree of difficulty of the game. There's nothing to prepare you for being in a game except for playing in the game where you could become a good basketball player if you show up at the gym every day and take 10,000 shots. But it doesn't work that way in baseball, and that's one of the best parts about it is nobody's at his best when he's 18 years old. But that's, in, in some cases, the way it works in basketball and some other sports. How did the trip to Monterey work out for Major League Baseball? They were supposed to be facing a monsoon, but they got the two games in. Well, that's a miracle, and with all the bad weather and with with as big as a deal as it is for baseball to globalize its sport and make a good showing wherever they go, whether it's Japan or Korea or this summer London or Mexico, it's got to work, and thankfully the weather cooperated. Otherwise, that would have been a nice day. I do agree with the Manfred people that uh, Mexico is a country worth regaining a foothold in. I mean, they've lost the battle to soccer uh, I don't know why, because there was such a strong tradition of baseball in Mexico, but uh, they're they're trying to they they're trying to punch up that league down there and get the public more interested again. And and as TV expands down there, it's probably pretty important. Yeah, it is, and we know what a great country Mexico is for baseball, and that's what again baseball's trying to do here. I'm always amused that football's trying to do the same thing, trying to globalize football, trying to be as international as it can be. 
We're international. I mean, football is about as international as the International House of Pancakes. <laughs> and they'll, but they'll do anything to globalize that sport also. Yeah, that is true. But, uh, you know, there's there, there's got to be more talent down there that they're, they're not getting their hands on. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, anyway, I think that's a that's a lot of their efforts. I mean, their baseball going to London. What's that going to accomplish? Nothing. But I think going to Monterey, Mexico, and playing in Mexico City, that uh, could be good for the game. So uh, the uh, Nats, uh, how how are the Washington fans taking the um, Nats mediocrity? Well, I don't know if you heard what happened to the Nats, the poor Nats yesterday. So they lose again. That's two in a row. They've played horribly most of the season. They're, they get on the charter flight. It's delayed seven hours. Oh. Seven hours <laughs> for a technical issue on a charter flight. So they have to go back to their hotel in Philadelphia, check back into their hotel, and fly out this morning and fly to Milwaukee to play tonight. That's how things are going for the Nats. <laughs> I'm going to give them a pass for the moment, Pat, because Soto's on the DL with Rendon and Zimmerman and Turner, and virtually their four best hitters are not available. So they're they're in some trouble right now. Their bullpen is not good. They're starting pitching, which should be great, hasn't been great. But I'm still going to give them time in a division that is not great. It's competitive. It's not great. Uh, but they're going to have to start to pull this together once the health returns. Otherwise, they're going to be in big trouble in Washington. The Mets just got whacked in Milwaukee over the weekend. Uh, the Mets have uh, also, uh, early season phenom, have kind of uh, petered out. Right. And again, Pat, we, we look at a division as competitive as that, where four teams could win the division. We can't forget that all four of those teams could finish fourth also. So there's a difference between a really good division and a really competitive division. I think this one will be tight to the end with four teams, but I don't think any of those four is really good. And I would be surprised at the moment if there's a wild card coming out of the East. I think we're just going to get one playoff team from that division. Uh, have you talked to your guy, Franconi, yet? Uh, losing Kluber. What, uh, they uh, tried Cody Anderson as a starter yesterday. That didn't work out. I think it's Cody. Uh, what, yeah. what's, he, uh, what's he saying? They're in trouble there because they know that the Twins are pretty darn good. They also know with the way they swing the bats in Cleveland, it's just not the way it used to be. So their only way to win is with that great starting pitching, which is not great right now, given injuries to Clevenger and now Kluber. So uh, Tito never panics. That's one reason he's such a great manager. But with all the moves they made in the offseason to save money, and now injuries are piling up, this is not a good spot for Cleveland. And if you're a Twins fan, you have to feel even better about the chances of them possibly winning that division, which... I didn't think it was very good entering the season. It's a whole lot better now. Tim, thanks for your time, and we will talk to you in a couple of weeks, sir. Okay, Pat. Thanks so much. See you. All right. Uh, that wraps up uh, Ricey on Baseball for today. Uh, Tom Kelly and Tim Kirkshen, and uh, we enjoyed it thoroughly, as we always do. We'll be back next week with uh, Buster Olney on Ricey on Baseball.